You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code TBPN during sign-up. Here's what you gotta do, just so you know. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Somebody do something special. I don't know what we should do. Uh, the Kings actually won a game this month. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Jason Jones of The Athletic bringing you the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast where for the first time in a couple of weeks or more than a couple of weeks, we could talk about the Kings actually ruling the court over an opponent and getting a win Sunday Night down in Dallas, the Kings knocked off the Dallas Mavericks, 121-107. And yeah, Kings won again. You know, it's kind of crazy that you would have two nine-game losing streaks in the same season. But, you know, like I've said maybe here or other places before, teams that aren't good, teams that are inconsistent, teams that struggle do things like this. You know, they're going to be up and down. There's going to be times where they look good. There's going to be time to how the Kings have looked most of April, pretty much all of April, which is bad. So, yes, who, I guess who really cares at this point? They won a game. 
Does it mean a lot in the big picture? That remains to be seen. But the fact the Kings won and how they won actually gives me a good uh, jump off point for a few things I wanted to touch on. Uh, I believe it was the last episode I said the Kings needed more from their bench. All season, this Kings bench has been pretty much a liability. You know, when the team has played its best, it's relied on pretty much six, maybe seven players to play well. But on Sunday, the Kings actually got contributions from off the bench, DeLon Wright and Terrence Davis. And that was big because I'll get into this, too. I actually wrote about it as well for the athletic. It gets into a bigger picture thing, a bigger picture idea, something that people I've talked to around the league have wondered about. And it's kind of overall how the Kings go forward. And Sunday, Buddy Hill offensively was pretty much, you know, it was a non-factor. Uh, one of five, the only bucket came on a off a turnover where he got a wide open layup. Two points. So clearly he didn't make any threes. <laughs> and just, you know, just not a good game. And you, you couple that with Tyrese Halliburton having another off night. I mean, the rookie's kind of, he's been, he's been scuffling lately. You know, Tyrese missed both of his shots, had two points. You know, so he only played 16 minutes, but because the bench played well, the Kings were able to get by and still win pretty comfortably. But I want to go back to the Buddy Heald uh, portion of this. When the Kings traded uh, for Terrence Davis, DeLon Wright, among the four guys they acquired, you know, a lot of times I'll check with people I know around the league, whether it be scouts, executives, or just, just, just various people to get their take on what's going on. And one thing I heard more than once was, I wonder if Monty McNair is getting in some guards that he can look at for the rest of the season so that he can have a feel for whether or not it would just make sense to move on from Buddy Heald in his contract. And we all know Buddy's a prolific shooter, you know, piles up the three-point makes over the course of a season, but he's also making a, you know, a pretty hefty salary and the Kings could probably do some different things if they could, you know, get off that salary, make some moves. Maybe you turn Buddy's approximately, I think, about twenty million or so next season, whatever twenty plus million. Maybe you turn that into two or three different guys, maybe two guys in a draft pick. You know, maybe it's part. You know, maybe you make some things happen to make this team deeper. And so one of the questions was, I wonder if Monty McNair wants to get a look at a guy like Terrence Davis, who clearly was coming from a situation in Toronto where they were trying to move on from him. And maybe you get Terrence Davis in in your building and you realize, you know what, he can play with these guys and maybe he can be in a platoon situation. Maybe you have a Terrence Davis and another uh, shooting guard who's at a lower salary next season. Maybe you you combine those two. You know, to replace the production you you know you are or in some cases not are not getting from Buddy Hill, or maybe you see if a situation where you could have a three guard rotation, four guard rotation of a you know, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Davis, and Delon Wright works. So there were a lot of people who were wondering this maybe. Just maybe this is a, a precursor of things to come. I don't think the fact that Terrence had twenty three points against the Mavs, you know, coming back and made all five of his threes, coming back from which had really been a brutal couple of weeks offensively from him, 
he had scored five or less in 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 five or six games and was really I mean just couldn't make anything. So I don't think that Terrence getting twenty three against the Mavs was a sign that yeah see they they can go ahead and move on from him or when I say him I say I mean Buddy or anything like that. But I do think it's uh, notable that. I'm going to operate from this, something that Buddy is on the team next season. One of the things that people have wanted to do, and even this coaching staff has looked at and thought about, is that Buddy is a, you know, his best is a, one of the best shooters in the NBA. But when he's struggling, a lot of times there isn't a lot of other things he'll give you. You know, you can't say, okay, Buddy's, you know, missing shots. He'll go out there and play lockdown defense, get his nine boards, seven assists, and four steals. That's not that's not that's not Buddy's game. So on those nights where Buddy is struggling, you know, and he's not giving you much on offense, it would be nice to have an option of someone else you could play the rest of those minutes, and then you know, who, who would probably be a better defender. And would also still give you a chance to win. And I think we saw that Sunday with Davis. I mean, Buddy made no threes. Davis made five. I think right there, you make up for the offense off the bat right there. there. And I think just defensively, Terrence Davis is a better defender than Buddy. And I thought Buddy was he's giving good effort on defense. It's just that I think Terrence is a better defender. So in those situations... On those nights, I mean, there's nights where the coaching staff, you can trust me, would love to play Buddy just 20 minutes where he's just struggling. But most of the season, who were you going to turn to? You know, you didn't really have another option. You you know, your other option was to go even smaller at, at that spot with Corey Joseph. And so you just didn't really have a lot to go to. And clearly there's not the level of trust built up with someone like a Justin James, who's a second round pick in his second season. You know, do you go to, you know, guy on a two-way contract like Kyle Guy? I mean, there just wasn't a lot to look at. So even on those nights when Buddy would be terrible on offense, and he's had some nights this season where it's like, oh, man, he can't hit anything. The Kings really didn't have an option. So what you got to see on Sunday was when you have another option and you have a little more depth, when you do have a lead, (laughs) you know, you can maintain it. And still finish the game off strong. And they haven't, the Kings haven't had that. I mean, and, and part of that is due to the way the team was constructed in previous seasons. You know, you lo- you know, before it was De'Aaron, Buddy, and Bogey. You know, those were going to be your guards. And some of the moves the Kings made didn't keep competition or give many options besides that. You know, before, was it last season or a couple of years ago? They trade Garrett Temple. Who was a you know a solid vet who could have that fit in in that role as another guard, but they they moved on from him, kind of handing the reins over to their younger guys. You know, a couple of years ago, you don't keep a guy like Amon Shumpert on the team. You no, know, Shump's play had declined over the course of the season, and he probably wasn't going to be you know playing as well as he did earlier that season. But you still didn't have, in, in my opinion, enough. Enough options behind those guys to where on nights where they're struggling, where you can say, you know what, I can sit him down and go this way and we'll be, you know, and we can maintain or be okay. I know it's easy for people to say, hey, hold these players accountable, sit them when they struggle. But the problem is, is when you don't have the requisite depth or a high enough level of skill behind those players, sitting them is essentially tanking the game. 
And even on his worst day, you still have to guard Buddy Hield. You still have to account for him, you know, offensively. And the one game he missed with this week when he didn't play, it was quite, you know, when he had the illness, it was quite obvious down in New Orleans. Yeah, it's quite obvious how different the offense looks when you don't have a guy like Buddy that you've got to go guard. And Halliburton is a good three-point shooter. He's been most of this season. But even still, he doesn't command the same attention that Buddy does because, you know, we've seen Buddy when he gets hot something to watch so i think either way you you saw a glimpse of the future you know maybe it's not terrence davis maybe Monty McNair finds someone else but the i think he saw the value of having another you know nba level quality good you know solid guard behind buddy so either a if you do want to move on you can slide that guy in and supplement him or maybe going next season you can scale back Buddy's minutes, especially on those bad nights. You know, so when he's playing terribly, when he looks like shit on the court, offensively, you can go hit, you know, we're not going to do the defense because we all know how that is with Buddy a lot of nights. But, <laughs> you know, if he's having just a shit offensive game, you can then say, you know what, Buddy's only playing 20 minutes tonight. We're going a different direction. And I think that makes you a better team. And it's something that the Kings have needed. And it's it's it was good to see. Just that, you know what, maybe they are building something out. So, either way, I think that's going to be a position that the Kings are going to look to continue to evaluate, look at different things, depending what happens with the draft. Say you end up, you, know, you get lucky in the lottery, you end up with a chance to get a guy like, you know, Suggs out of uh, out of uh, Gonzaga. You know, you get a guy, to, you know. You know, you get a, a green from the G League. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And I think the Kings would probably go with a wing player. So, you know, I just think that that's going to be a spot to constantly watch. You know, you know, you can assume Buddy will be back, you know. But the Kings are definitely going to look at ways if it means getting more financial flexibility of how you can you know, supplement that position. And kind of look to make things better and move on because I think eventually you got to get you know half Tyrese starting games probably. I don't think you, I don't think you want Tyrese coming off the bench for two or three years, and that means moving on from Buddy and you know having a three four you know your four guards end up being Delon Tyrese, you know possibly Terrence Davis and um, who am I missing? Oh yeah, De'Aaron. Yeah, De'Aaron. De'Aaron, DeLon, <laughs> Terrence, and Tyrese. Yeah. The two D's and the two T's. Yeah. So, you know, so if you end up getting that together, maybe that's the way, you you know, you, you go. So I think that was a good, uh, interesting thing to watch and something to look forward at, forward to and just monitor for the rest of the season. It's kind of how those minutes play out, you know, on the occasions when Buddy is struggling. How does Terrence fill in and just see where we go from there. And I just wanted to hit on a couple of other things. Uh, you, like I said, I, I was I was heavy about, you know, the bench needs to play better. And this guy's not on the bench anymore, but he starts now. He's starting now, Mo Harkless. And why is he important? Another issue of depth with the Kings. The Kings spent most of this season pretty much asking Harrison Barnes to be Scottie Pippen, Kevin Garnett, everyone defensively, you know. Guard wings, guard bigs, guard point guards sometime. Do everything. And what Mo has given them is another guy who 
know, you know, you can you can move him on some of those guys and give Harrison a breather and also help him offensively. Harrison had 24 points against the Mavs, his former team. And I think some of Harrison's offensive struggles that happened, especially during the losing streak, I just, you know, Harrison would never come out and say this, but Harrison was tired. I mean, there's only so many games you can ask him to constantly defend these high-level guys. And also, yeah, by the way, can we get 18 to 20 points from you? You know, that's just, that's a lot to ask from anyone, especially since he's moved to the power forward spot. A lot of these games, Harrison's starting against much bigger players. It's not so much that he's just defending wing players. He's defending power forwards. You know, you know, and I say in New Orleans, he's going against Zion Williamson. You know, so <laughs> when you get a Mo Harkless on the team, you know, at the very least, it gives you another option of a guy who can do that. And as De'Aaron pointed out with Mo and against the Mavs, you know, Mo gets the the uh, initial assignment on on Luca, and if Luca's out the game, you can put Mo on uh, Porzingis, and then. It allows you to give Harrison a break for parts of the game. You know, obviously Harrison's going to guard those guys as well, but it's no longer just Harrison's job to handle all that. So at least on this case, in a of course it's a Kings win. You know, the new additions definitely paid off. You know, you got to see a closing lineup without Buddy or Tyrese. You know, the closing lineup against the Mavs was De'Aaron, Terrence Davis. Harrison Barnes, Mo Harkless, and DeLon Wright. So just having these this flexibility, having this these options, I think over a long stretch would make the Kings a better defensive team and just a better team overall. Does they, do they have enough time to make up for that in this season and get into the play-in tournament and all that? I don't know. I'm not holding up my breath for it. Right now, they're five back of San Antonio. They've already split the first two with San, the Spurs, and they play them again next month out in Sacramento. They've already dropped two or three to New Orleans, who are two games ahead of the Kings for 11th place in the West. So you've got to get past New Orleans and be ahead of them because you, you lose a tiebreaker. And then, see, you know, you've got to try to beat San Antonio. You need some other teams to struggle. You, you do need a lot right now <laughs> to get into that situation. So I'm not ruling them out yet. You know, there's still time, but... Not a whole lot of time. You got you know about a month left in this season. Interesting to see if the Kings you know you know fight to the end. And so far, I'll give them this: they haven't quit. I I don't I see them still fighting. I just think sometimes when you're not a good team, you still lose a lot of these games. But I still see some fight from them. So, is it over? No. Is it worth is it, is it worth giving up? No. Is it time to talk about tanking and trying to improve your draft status? I say absolutely not because, number one, there's still no guarantees with the lottery. You know, you can say, yeah, we're, we're guaranteed. You know, you can say we finished here. Now we were slotted at six. That sounds great till three teams jump ahead of you and now you're ninth. That's it. Yeah. So, you know what? What the hell? Try to make the playoffs, you know, because it still worked out in the draft you know, last year. You're picking 12. And every year, there's one or two guys who are going to fall below where everyone thinks they'll go. When the Kings got lucky and got one of those guys in Tyrese Halliburton last year, maybe you get lucky again. It's supposed to be a deep draft. Maybe you don't have to be one, two, or three to get a good player. So I still say go all in on trying to win. Do what you can to try to get to 10th. If it doesn't happen, I still think these players will be better for it. 
just because they need to continue to experience playing and competing with something on the line this late in the season. Because it's one thing to have some success when you got nothing to look forward to. And we've seen that before with Kings teams in the past where they'll win a few games late. You know, they'll beat some other tanking teams or, you know, some team will out tank them and put a worse team on the court. And, you know, so the Kings will win. But they need this. This group really needs the feeling of constantly going against teams that are fighting for something and trying to make something of it and teams that aren't fighting for something like their opponent coming up on on tuesday the minnesota timberwolves you gotta start figuring out how to beat those teams you know most of april they haven't done that you know they've lost team to, to detroit a team with nothing to really play for except pride they've lost to minnesota once already a team playing for pride you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count the Withers game in that same uh, breath of, of the losses just because the Withers could still have a chance to make a run to get into the playing tournament too. And whoa, that could be interesting if you get Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Bill rolling in that situation. But the Kings still have something to play for, and just for my own sake and my own sanity, I really don't want to watch a bunch of just let's get the young guys out there type games. I know the fans might want to see Robert Woodard play or they might want to see Jemias Ramsey. And I have nothing against those guys. Hell, Jemias might be one of those guys we're talking about next season or in a couple of years, helping to fill the void of Buddy Heald. You know, who knows? But I really want to, for once, see the Kings finish a season out strong and just see what it gets them. And maybe they can finally build some momentum toward an offseason. To eventually break this uh, streak of missing the playoffs. But at this rate, we're going to tie the team that was so bad. They missed the playoffs in three different cities. Tie the Clippers franchise for 15 straight years of missing the playoffs. So, let's see. It, you know what? I've talked enough basketball. Yada, yada, yada. You know, fans will be back in on 420 for the Kings. That's just funny to me because I have a sophomore sense of humor and I wonder if anybody would necessarily need to partake. Oh, I definitely thought the Kings came in there with a 10-game losing streak. Some of the 1,600 people allowed in uh, to watch the game would partake in 420 before walking in to watch the Kings possibly lose 11 in a row. I definitely believe that. So maybe people will be in a better mood. But you know, moving on to another part of 420. Tonight we're back with another versus battle. And am I a little ticked that the Kings are playing on 420 with this versus battle going on? You're damn right I'm ticked. I'm pissed. I don't like this at all. Know why? Two of my favorite all-time rappers are going head-to-head. Method Man versus Red Man. And to me, it's very similar to Ghostface and Raekwon. I always link those two together. So I don't know if it's really a battle as a more of a celebration of more of my music from the 90s i'm sorry for some of y'all born in the 90s who don't get it you know i still consider that to be generally the golden age of hip-hop or maybe not the i don't know is golden age the right term i don't know but damn it the 90s had some damn good music and i'm looking forward to this method man red man battle or maybe you call it a celebration of their music 
And I'm not going to do the whole who's going to win and lose because I don't really care. I don't keep score. I'm just here to, to, to hear the music. And I also enjoy the idea of what it does is the verses always sends me back listening to all the music from whoever's participating and what I liked and what I don't what I remember takes you back to what you were doing that time in life and this music dropped and Method Man Red Man is going to do a lot of that so my initial thoughts on that first just kind of a selfish thing who gets to use how high for <laughs> for for one of their entries because to me that's you know how high how high can I can kiss the sky that that's like to me the Method Man Red Man song and it's like who gets that first oh maybe they just finish with that I don't know but I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out so a lot of people I've talked to figure you know well this is gonna be an easy thing for Method Man Method Man's got too much. You know, and I think you're, I think one, you're, you know, you're underselling Red Man a lot, but I'll get to, you know, that at the end. But we talk about Method Man and fitting that, uh, my girlfriend's not on this, on this episode because I didn't want to hear her oogle over Method Man. I had enough of that during Power Book 2 when, you know, he got to walk around in his drawers, which I didn't need to see, but she was, I believe she quite enjoyed that, like many of my female friends. Or you know, I don't know if "female" is the term, right, the correct term to use. As I learned, "female" is an adjective. So my went that my should I say the women I know all let it be known they loved watching Method Man in in Power Book Two. But that's that's a random thing I've diverted to. Let me get back on track. Yes, Mika's not here to drag this on. So Method Man does have some different things he can pull from. He, you know, he's got his solo career. He's got his Wu-Tang bag he can go into. And some of my favorite Method Man verses are some of his Wu-Tang verses. Or he can go to his features. You know, you know, and uh, you look at Meth's solo career, you got Bring the Pain, You're All I Need. You know, you got that whole bag. Then you've got, you know, the feature. You know, then I can say you go to the Wu. You got the song, probably my favorite song, Method Man. <laughs> My probably my favorite Method Man song is Method Man from Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. You can go that route, or you know, like I said, you get into the features. You've got the uh, you know four three two one, you no know, remix LL Cool J, DMX, Cannabis. Oddly enough, Red Man's on that too. So like I said, these two are intertwined. That's why I'm looking forward to this. You know, so I you know I just think you get, Met's got a lot of different ways to go. But I'll say this. Red Man has way more than people are giving him credit for. His his first three out, you know, his first three albums that he came out with in the early to mid '90s, heat on all of them. You know, you got you know tonight's the night. You got time for some action. You got Superman Lover. You got Can't Wait. You got Pick It Up. You got Whatever Man. You know, those are just some of his singles. You know, and if you have and if you're young and you're not feeling Red Man, don't know. I encourage you to get on your favorite streaming platform, put Red Man in, look up all those songs. Red Man's got some shit for y'all. Y'all, y'all just be ready for that. And then that doesn't include uh, Red Man's uh, Death Squad, you know, features. You know, getting there with EPMD, you know, and, and all that whole crew. You no know, DOS effects. You no, know, 
one of my favorite red, you know, red man songs, the Headbangers, off of the EPD, EPMD album. So he's got a lot more he can go to than people are giving him. Some people are giving him credit for, and also in terms of features, you know, like I said, some of them, you know, does he play? I got my mind made up with Pac, you know, Pac and the Dog Pound before you know met the man and red man before meth does <laughs> does he do this he go there first you know does he go to how high for i mean there's just so many different ways this thing can go so i think this is going to be an exciting show it's like especially considering that it is on 420 i expect to see a lot of smoke in the studio i expect to see I don't know where they're going to you know, do this one. Maybe they do it in a place like California where cannabis is fully you know, legal for recreational use. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to see people rolling blunts during during this one. I really wonder if these guys are even going to be how high they will actually be by the end of this versus. I mean, it's, it's probably a given they're going to walk into the versus high. So, I mean, they're already going to their baseline is already going to be, you know, kind of up. Then you're going to have them doing songs like How High <laughs> on 420. This is going to probably, I mean, this is going to end up being a top five verses in my, in my opinion. And I'm going to have to figure out a way to watch this while the Kings play basketball or listen or something. Because I don't want to miss this one. You know, these are two of my favorites. You know, these are two guys who helped get me through college. Not because of Canacom, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying through their music, it was inspiring. You know, not that I have any issue with anyone who wants to use their music to take them to a higher place. Or as uh, the great Bill Walton said, have you ever been so high that you can't come down to touch the ground? Or I'm paraphrasing, y'all heard the whole clip, yeah. It's all good. So, yeah. I think this is going to be an extremely competitive, I hate to call it a battle, but I think, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to call it an entertaining celebration of cannabis and good music. That's what this versus will be. It will celebrate both. And I definitely plan to be, you know, listening and enjoying it while the Kings play. Well, maybe. We'll see. And before we get out of here, just wanted to also send condolences to the family of Black Rob. Hip hop has lost another artist. Um, he passed away uh, over the weekend, so definitely want to make sure I said, you know, you know, send you know condolences, thoughts, prayers to his family, his fans. You know, he, you know, he had his big hit back in you know, what twenty years ago or so. It's been a minute, you know. The song with you know with you know Puffy Woe, that was like you know his, you know his like big you know big hit, and he had some you know he had other songs too, but that's the one for me that you know for everyone that that when he came out that was you know essentially the jam from him you know and everyone you know. Not everyone gets a song like that, you know. He hit, you know, you know. So, but he was a big part of that. Uh, that bad boy. What album was that called? It was. Uh, it was trying to. It was the. Uh, he had the whole the saga continues. P Diddy and the Bad Boy Family, and that one song, Bad Boy for Life. You know, he was on. The, you know, he was on that. So yeah, it's just. 
uh, you know, more tragic news for the hip hop community, you know, to lose another member of the community. So I definitely wanted to say that before I got out of here. And you know where to find me on social media, Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter, where, yes, I have been talking my Dodger talk. I know some of y'all don't like it. I don't really care. Us Dodger fans, we're going to be as obnoxious as we want to be all season. So if you don't like it, oh, well, we don't really care. So that's where to find me on social. You can find my stories on theathletic.com where I'm writing about the Kings. My latest story will be about the Dallas game and some of the things I touched on about as far as, you know, Buddy's future, the Kings, Davis, how these new guys fit for a game, and again, ending a nine-game losing streak. So, there you have it. I hope you all have a great, you know, great week, you know, and get ready for 420 for two reasons, or actually for some of y'all more than two reasons. I'm thinking Kings, and I'm thinking the Versus. Some of y'all going to be getting ready for 420 because you're going to be nice and baked, and I ain't mad at you. So, do what you do. Be safe. Have a good time. I am Jason Jones. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and I am out.